Oh, okay. You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. From Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Myra Lopez. Every era in human history has been defined by materials. Physics professor Ken Kelton is here to tell us how the development of materials has played a crucial role in advances in civilization. And he'll preview the next big breakthrough in materials science. Here's a hint, it's out of this world. So my name is Ken Kelton, and I'm a professor of physics. I have a courtesy appointment in mechanical engineering and material science, and I'm the Arthur Holly Compton professor in arts and sciences. Uh, material science is, of course, been always very important. Uh, for even sort of charting epochs of civilization. So we have the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, and, and so forth. And so it, um, it, it's played a pivotal role in civilization, in the development of civilization. So that, that always interested me. Kelton's primary focus is the transition of glass because he says the physics are interesting and he also just plain likes liquids and glasses. In fact, Kelton gives a great lecture titled Materials Through the Ages. And that lecture is what prompted our talk today. And he also brings some pretty interesting show-and-tell items to that lecture. I have a particular interest uh, as a hobby that I, that I enjoy collecting swords. So what, what I always work into, my, into a lecture like this is, you know, why are the swords, say, from the Bronze Age about this long and the swords from the Middle Ages about this long? And it's largely a, a, a problem of materials. So in the Bronze Age, you couldn't make it very long because it, it wouldn't be useful. It would break or bend or whatever. Once we got to steel then you could make much longer swords, much stronger swords. So you can use swords to explain a lot of the basic processes in materials. I have three um, antique swords. So there's one that's a uh, 15th century merchant sword. That was the first real sword I bought. Uh, and I think that's probably kind of what got me into being interested in them because I was on sabbatical in, in England at the time and I traveled to Edinburgh and I found this and it was at that time affordable. His other swords are replicas, English, Scottish, Revolutionary, and naval swords. In all, he has about eight swords in his collection. So fast forward to today. What material defines this era? Can you guess? Well, it's a material with ancient origins that has paved the way for a high-tech future. Silicate glasses. I mean, glass is a very, very useful material. We use it for everything from, you know, looking out to holding something in a, in a glass container, to fiber optics, all of these sorts of things are glass. So suffice it to say, we are living in the glass age. It's a technology people use every day on their smartphone, TV, car, home, and office. Think about it. It really is the defining material of our time. Now, if we're to stand back and take a bird's eye view at materials, can you guess what material in the last oh, 100 years has advanced civilization? Silicon. For all the, tra the integrated circuits, transistors, uh, yeah, that, that was, it's, you know, you could have called it the age of silicon, starting from something like the 50s on, because it was, it was, a, very, it was a really dominant material. 
I don't know what the new materials are going to be. You know, it's possibly high-temperature superconductors. That's one thing that people have talked about. There are these strange materials called topological insulators or two-dimensional materials like graphene, which um, very thin layers, atomistically thin, one atom thin, two atom thin layers of materials. One thing we do know is that when you advance the materials, then you can make big technological leaps. And speaking of leaps... That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. So those memorable words were spoken by Neil Armstrong upon becoming the first person to land on the moon in 1969. Will we remember the words spoken by the first person to land on Mars? Nearly 50 years after the moon landing, humanity is looking skyward again, this time to Mars. And the goal isn't just to visit the planet, but to inhabit it long term. And that means the need to develop lots of new materials. However, Kelton sees lots of challenges. There are a lot of materials problems with going to Mars. Um, one of the things, for example, is, um, well, the biggest thing that they're working with right now is how do we shield, and maybe it won't be a material that can do this, but how do we shield the astronauts from the radiation? Because once you get outside of our protective cocoon, you're getting exposed to solar wind and all sorts of things that are, that are gonna be very bad. And let's say you successfully get astronauts to Mars. Sustaining life there is going to be a challenge. It's not like you can pop to the store for supplies. You'll need to make materials in space. Uh, 3D printing. This is a huge area that NASA's investing in um, because you're out on Mars and you're, something breaks. Well, you can't like get FedEx to give you the next part, so you gotta have a way of making it there. And they're looking into 3D atom, or 3D printing, excuse me. Um, so th those, and those are, there's a huge number of materials problems there because we don't know, again, you're putting things down uh, very quickly, generally, and the atoms don't have time maybe to get into the positions they want to be, and you might have certain crystallization, turning it into other phases that you don't want, and so there's a lot of work to be done there too. So, so yeah, there are a lot of problems to be solved. To, to, go to, to go to Mars. Currently, Kelton has an experiment on the International Space Station looking at the lack of gravity's impact on making materials in space because some of the processes we are accustomed to working with on Earth depend on having gravity. So I was curious. Kelton grew up in rural Arkansas, not around any scientist, and I wondered what sparked his interest in science. The answer was really sweet. It was his older sister. So my sister bought me a chemistry set because she recognized, yeah, he, I, he needs something to do. So, so she gave me that, and that that sparked my interest. And of course, this was I was born in '54, so I was kind of growing up in the whole thing with the space age and the the nuclear bombs and all this stuff. So there was a bigger emphasis on science then than had been before. Kelton hopes to be that inspiration for another child. In addition to giving public lectures, he works with entities on campus, like the Institute for School Partnership, to bring his work into the K-12 classroom. As a child, Kelton's father, who was a carpenter, took him to tour one of Dow Chemical's lab spaces that his dad was working on. That's an experience that set Kelton on the path to becoming a scientist. He hopes allowing students to hear his work, see his work, will have a similar effect. I could not end today's talk without asking Kelton, so what's his favorite material? 
probably a metallic glass. <laughs> because I did my thesis, a PhD thesis on metallic glasses many years ago uh, from one of the, the founders of the field. And uh, so, and then I left it and then I came back. Um, so I would say, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite materials. Yeah. And it's, it's just unique. Uh, it just does things that no other, no other material will do. Many thanks to Ken Kelton for joining Hold That Thought. For many more ideas to explore, please be sure to visit our website, holdthatthought.wustel.edu, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.